BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I'm actually super, super excited to tell you about. It's a new app and surprisingly, it's the first of its kind. I'm actually quite shocked about this because nowadays there's an app for absolutely everything from fitness plans to booking a tailor to mend your skirt, et cetera, et cetera. But till now, there has not been one single app for single parents specifically designed for them, but now they do. And it's called Stir. So Stir is a place where single parents can just be single. No more making excuses for having children or not being able to get a nanny. You can actually get excited for your first date and tell them about having a daughter in third grade. It's where you don't have to apologize for having a crazy schedule. When you obviously go date and you're a single parent and you're absolutely the one providing and doing everything, you're a one man or woman band, you know, it's even more important that you find the right fit for a date and someone who just simply gets it. Because a date is absolutely taking you away from your precious time. So you want to have fun and you want to laugh and you want someone who might understand if you turn up late or, you know, plans change. Single parents obviously understand all this you know, things happen. STIR members are firstly going to be on the level with you. And as you share immediately, you know, your family stories, you have a common factor off the bat for being single parents. So there are no awkward conversations. Will it be okay if I have kids or I'm afraid to tell him? Will it scare him off? Because he or she will already know because they're signing up for STIR and they're in the same situation of you. So they're easy. Stir is an app designed for singles who just happen to be parents. So download Stir or tell your single friends to try it out now. Very excited for you all to try this one. You're welcome. Let's get back to the show. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me. Because on With Wit, very little is off limits. Subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing conversations to come. New episodes of With Wit are available every Tuesday on all platforms. I'm Caroline Stanbury, star of The Real Housewives of Dubai. I'm remarried and living my best life ever. See, there's so much life after divorce. I'm starting my new chapter unapologetically. I'm bringing real stories, real life, 
Real talk on all things that aren't said between each other, society, the sheets, and everything in the middle. And lucky me, you'll be joining me on the journey. Listen to all new episodes every Wednesday. So buckle up. So welcome back to another episode of Divorced Not Dead. And I'm super excited to be in New York um, doing this podcast today with a hugely popular ex-morning show radio host, personality 11 years from Cyrus XM show Wake Up With Taylor, which was aired 7 to 10 daily. Now hugely popular podcaster with The Taste of Taylor, who interviews so many celebrities and popular influencers and discusses life and also a fellow Dear Media um, podcaster. So welcome, Taylor. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you for having me. Hey, girl. Hey, that's like my moniker. So that's what I'm going to say. But I am like beyond thrilled to be here. I adore you. I have been a fan since Ladies of London. And also when you came out with this podcast. So I was on Dear Media before you started your podcast. And when I saw you coming on, I was thrilled. And also the subject matter of your podcast is like everything. And I feel like we have a lot of similarities, actually in our lives, the way they've gone. I just feel that people obviously needed this podcast. I didn't realize how much until I did it because unlike you, I didn't have any background in podcasting or radio or anything like this. I just sort of sat at home in Dubai and started this thing and it's become a life of its own. Yeah. But I love meeting people like you and um, fellow divorcees who are thriving. Yep. Your story and my story, although they're completely different. Totally. Yes. Are also kind of the same because Mm -hmm. so many raised eyebrows. We we pulled a shocker. Oh, yeah. Did we ever? (laughs) Yeah. So I'm I loved your story when I read it. And I've you know, you are truly living your authentic self, which is. Yeah. Once you actually are able to step into those shoes and just be you. Yeah. It is so liberating, whatever that you looks like. Absolutely. Like that's where I think that we have similar stories in that we're both living our absolute truth, regardless of what like society says are the milestones that you have to hit to do X, Y, and Z. And who the fuck is society? Right? Bullshit. It is. Total. And I, I just don't get it anymore. I mean, I just don't understand what who we're looking up to or who those people are. The proverbial they. Yeah, guess what? I think we're becoming the they. I do. And I think that living your truth and being authentic to you is so appealing. Because when I tell people my story, in the beginning, it was like raised eyebrows and like I could feel the judgment. But now that I've been married for like, well, with my wife now for six years, people are now like, oh, we get this. This is amazing. And like even my mom's like, should I become a lesbian? Mic drop. (laughs) So Taylor was married for how many years? I was married to, I call him husband. My was my husband. Husband for five years almost. We were married for five years almost, but we were together for eight. Year and a half dating, year and a half engagement, and then five years. You know, there we go. That's exactly what you're meant to do. Yeah, right. And so you were married to a man. Had you ever like dabbled with women before? Like literally never. Not even like I made out with my roommate in college because our guy friends, we were like at the end of the semester, second semester, and we were dying for like a late night snack and we had no money. We were broke as a joke. So our guy friends, pervs, were like, if you guys make out, we'll buy you pita pit. So we were like, okay, fine. But that was that was like one time. And that was it. I mean, I was never like because when I was in school, it was very like in vogue to like go to a nightclub and make out with your friends to like even if it was just to appease guys. 
So I didn't even partake in that. So, I mean, I really had no inclination whatsoever that this was like something that I would ever be experiencing in my life. So you were like this normal housewife, six fucking years of your life. You've always dated men. Always dated men, but always hated sex. Oh, you've always hated sex. I hated the peen. But I thought, doesn't everybody? (laughs) I I mean. And I know now I get it. It's like, no, my friends that were like, I love giving blowjobs. I was like, that's a lie. Nobody loves giving a blowjob. Nobody loves giving a (laughs) blowjob. Absolutely not. Unfortunately, Sergio's in the room listening to this. But I mean, I'll do it under duress. (laughs) Sorry, darling. But I don't think I dislike it enough to go for vagina. That's also fair. That's very fair. That's very fair. It's like, uh, no. You're like lesser of two evils. Yes. Trust, I get that. Going back to the penis. And so you wake up one day, you're you're out. Of, I mean, I, I find that a lot of women at the end of six, seven years, 10 years sort of go off sex anyway, right? Oh, In, totally. I mean, obviously you're like fucking like bunnies when you meet, but like at the end, it's normal. So how do you go from there to going, oh, I'm a lesbian? Right. Okay. So before we even walked down the aisle, I tried to like postpone the wedding, which is like a huge thing that I did. It's like a really big red flag. But my wedding planner was like, if you postpone the wedding, it's like canceling it, like financially. So either get married or postpone it or, or, or cancel it. There should be no postponement, like just one or the other. And I wasn't ready to cancel it because I was like, we're going to break up if I cancel the wedding. But I knew it wasn't right. I was fighting with his family. It was just like a lot of unnecessary drama. So I we kind of like started off our marriage on the wrong foot, if you will. Like we were kind of like not in a good place. So we were in couples therapy for years and trying to go back and forth and deal with it. But like I feel like in for me, I break up in the relationship. So I would say that I knew I wanted a divorce like year three and a half, maybe even four. And then I spent that last year like building towards divorce. So I knew I wanted out, but I thought I was going to find another rich husband. Like my plan was not like it was I, I even I remember when I was like looking at like the prenup and I was looking at like what I was making at my job and like, you know, what I had coming to me. In the divorce, because I was like, this is the first time I've ever been financially independent. Like I went from my parents to my husband. I was shitting bricks. Like I was like, can I financially even like do this? And which is sorry, what holds so many women back. Totally. And I think, you know, that's a really important point to make because some people give up right there. Oh, it's so easy to so easy. And so for me, I remember thinking, looking at my finances and going, I can do this for one year. I can move into this like one bedroom apartment in a luxury building. And I was like, I have to live in a nice place because if I have to like move in with roommates, I'm going to run back to him. I know I'm, I'm, I'm a brat. I'm spoiled. I'm superficial. Like I need the nice things in life. So I knew if I didn't like set myself up for that first year, I probably would fail and go back to him. And he was kind of like, we don't need to do this. Like we can stay together kind of a vibe. So I knew that was like an option. So I got an apartment that was probably way too expensive and out of budget, but I was like, I need some place that's like my own like special haven. But I remember thinking, but it's okay because in a year I'll meet like a new guy and he'll be wealthy and he'll support us. And so like, it's fine. Like this is how this is, I'm going to play it this way for a year. And so I did not see my now wife coming from a million fucking miles away. So I think that's a very common story as in like, I mean, when I was leaving, I absolutely pictured, and I think women do that. We, we want everything to be safe. We, we really think about every angle. And I pictured my 
I actually pictured the worst case scenario. I'm in a one bedroom flat with a flip down bed. You got it. But it was still going to be gorgeous because it's mine. Right. And I'm really chic. Yes. So. <laughs> yes, you are. It would be fabulous. <laughs> um, it would be the most fabulous one bedroom. And then I'm going to myself. Well, actually, I've got three kids, so I'm not going to be in the one bedroom. And then I did exactly what you did. I was running uh, past a, a big house, which was completely out of my budget. And I was like, fuck it, I'm taking it. Right. And I was like, the money will come. And by the way, when you do that. Yes. It comes. It does, actually. It does. It didn't come the way I expected it to. Well, nothing went the way you expected it to. Holy shit. <laughs> right. I mean, I actually will say that I had like a guy in mind. I, I did. Like I was like. It was a friend of a friend and, and, and nothing happened. It wasn't like like we weren't dating. There was no affair. But it was just like this guy, like I think this guy thinks I'm cute. We could probably start dating. He's got money. You know, like I remember we were like on these horse farms and he was like, you deserve someone to buy you a horse. I was like, that's the guy I'm going to date when I finally get the courage to get divorced. I really thought that that was going to be the route that I was going to take. And then once I finally got divorced, I was hanging out a lot with my single girlfriends. So also, aside from like looking into like real estate and the financials, I also was trying to carve out my own like friends group before the divorce because we had a lot of like couple friends and I'm from Boston. He's from northern New Jersey and we live in Manhattan or we did. So he had like the upper hand advantage when it came to our social life. And I just did not want to be fighting over friends. So I kind of started to like carve out my own like friend group. And my now wife was a part of that friend group. So after the divorce, I started to lean heavily on my single girlfriends. And okay, we all do that, though. We all right. have a, a group of single girlfriends that take us out. They're super excited that we're single again. And yes. we party like rock stars. Yes. But none of us kind of end up marrying them. <laughs> How the fuck do you go from leaning on her to marrying her? So let's go there. So we were out one night and I had seen her like... First of all, she was my first lesbian friend ever. I thought I was like so woke. And now I was like, look at me with my lesbian friend. And <laughs> I'm dying. I mean, I don't even know who I was before. I was the most basic conservative bitch. So we were out and one night she just I saw her kissing a girl and I had seen it before. But for whatever reason, that night it made me like jealous. And I remember thinking I want to make out with her. But it was just that. It was like, I've been my whole life, I've been raised Catholic. I follow the rules, kind of, sort of, not really, but like I try to. And I'm like, I got a divorce. That's huge. So if I want to make out with a girl, I should make out with a fucking girl. So a couple of days later, I said to her, I think we should make out. And she was like, I think that's a horrible idea. We are really good friends. I lose interest in two seconds in people. And also, like, you're really relying on me heavily right now in terms of friendship. Like, we hang out every single day. Also, you're straight and you're going through a divorce. Like, I'm not interested in being your guinea pig. So she fully rejected me. And I was devastated because I don't like being rejected. But I was like, whatever. I'm just, like, using my crazy divorce brain to, like, want something that's, like, not even me. It's, it's whatever. Neither here nor there. And then, like, a couple weeks later, we were on a trip. So she used to work for me. She like was my camera person. She would shoot videographer and editor. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, you were her boss too? Uh-huh, yeah. I mean, freelance, but yeah, technically I was her boss. She didn't really have a choice, did she? <laughs> <laughs> and so we're on the trip. And I had booked the trip with one bed because we were friends. That I mean, I booked it like months before and we were just friends. It was just like friends going on a trip. And so I was like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> we can get a new room. And she's like, no, it's fine. We're friends. And then that night we were out and she was like, honestly, I have something to tell you. And I was like, what? And she's like, I've had a crush on you from the day I met you. 
but I was like, you're off limits because you're straight and you're married. And she's like, but ever since she brought up kissing me, I know I said no, but I actually think that we should. But if we're going to go here, like we're girlfriends. And I'm like, fuck, I am like newly divorced. Like I'm not even officially legally divorced yet. I thought I would have more time to like, I don't know, sow my wild oats and like hook up with lots of people. And so I kind of was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like yes or death, like whatever, I'm going to do what I want, but I do want to like see what this is like. And six and a half years later, I'm married to her. So that's the story. So let's take a little break from the show and discuss Cozy Earth. We all know how stressful life can be and we constantly juggle. We're pulled in so many different directions. So when you get time to relax, it should be pure comfort in our own homes. That's why I simply love Cozy Earth bedding, towels and loungewear. It's easy and comfortable, which is the most important thing to me these days. They have developed and crafted high quality goods with responsibly and sustainably sourced materials straight from the earth so that you can get a restorative sleep that you need to curate your home sanctuary and recharge your batteries in the comfort of your own space. Cozy Earth is softer than cotton, which I I kind of feel can be quite itchy against the skin. And I love the feel of it. It warms me up like a hug on a cold day and relaxes me. So I feels amazing against the skin. I love how cool it is too. So the great thing about these sheets is they're temperature regulating, which means it will keep you cool and comfortable all night long, especially with me who lives in Dubai. So I can overheat quite a lot. So I hate that. I like to feel cool in the um, out here in Dubai in the desert. Cozy Earth has been featured on Oprah's favorite list for about four years now. And I mean, that says something about the product in itself as Oprah definitely knows her stuff. I'm a massive fan. They also come with a 10-year warranty on all products, which is amazing, and a 100-night sleep test. So that means if you don't love it or you're not happy, you can get a full refund up to 100 days from purchase. I love my sleep. I love the feeling of relaxing and being comfortable. Don't take my word for it. I've got an offer for you all today. Cozy Earth provided an exclusive offer for my listeners today, 35% off site-wide when you use code DND. That's code DND at checkout for 35% off. Now that's the deal. Let's get back to the show. So let's go to the first night. Like, how the fuck do you find your way around there? Like, okay. what do you know? Uh, do you know what to do? Like, I, I, it doesn't feel so, I mean, like, if you've never been with a woman at this age, and ever, then, and then like, isn't it awkward, the whole thing? I was honestly, like, I was excited to make out but then I was immediately terrified. And I felt yeah. like I was like 12 or 13 yeah. learning like how to hook up with somebody. Yeah. I did not know the rules at all. And I was scared. And I said to her, we have to take this slow because like I, I am scared that this actually isn't like kissing me. is one yeah. thing, but this might not be me. Yeah. And so I remember like every time we like get closer to certain things, like I was like, if I hate this, we're done. But I was like emotionally falling in love with her. So I was really scared because I was like, when I go down on her, if it's horrible, yeah. we're going to have to break up, you know? Yeah. So we finally got to that stage and I did it. And I was shocked at how I actually like, I was like, oh, my friends that like giving blowjobs, I get it. Because that was actually like giving her pleasure because I was so in love with her. Like, that's the thing. People were like, oh, well, a, a dick for a blowjob. That's, that's rough, but like a vagina. Yeah. And listen, I get it. 
but it, I enjoyed it way more than I've ever enjoyed giving a blowjob. Listen, it's still a lot of hard work down there and the breathing and the mouth position. It's very tricky. And I'm not I think I'd die down there. Totally it's like scuba secure. diving. <laughs> you know what it did? It made me go like this. Oh, wow. Vaginas aren't gross. Like my own even. I had such like vagine shame. And doing that made me go like, oh, my God, it's, it's not as... It's not as bad as I thought it well, would be. Well, that's how we've all been bro- brought up. I right. mean, in our society that, you know, all of these things, we, we're not, we're taught sex is bad and all. I mean, I want to blow the the the, the lid off all that anyway. Because right. like, that was the great thing. And, and and I guess respectively between me and Sergio that, you know, I, I'm so much freer yep. with him. Yeah. Like, I mean, okay, I don't think I'm into girls, but, you know. He would love me to be. <laughs> he would love me to be. We're not there yet, darling. Give me another few years. And But the great thing is, you know, we were like bonking like rabbits at the beginning. Totally. And, and at the end of a marriage, you do think that you're, that you are ace. I thought I was asexual. Oh, me too. Me but, too. You know, and I think that's important for people to know. You don't have to live like that. You may just be the, the wrong person yeah. or you may just need to experiment and these things. And if we were able to have these conversations and as you said, look, you don't, it doesn't mean you're a lesbian. You can go and have a wild night. You can go and have a wild night with somebody else, but you should be able to do whatever you need to do to get your, you know, life back. Exactly. Like I felt like I, I just, I, I felt, I remember feeling it when I was married, like, this is it. This is all my life's going to be like, I'm at like, I'm not even mildly happy. I'm like miserable. Yeah. And there was a lot of factors as to why I was miserable. But, you know, I just like, I was just with Tay over the weekend and we were like sitting watching TV And I said to her, like, I'm so happy with you. Like, I never thought I would ever feel this way in my life. Like, it's just, I I still to this day pinch myself. She's just like my favorite person to hang out with and a great companion. And we're madly in love. And like, we have sex now way less than we did in the beginning. Yeah, everybody. That's part of the course. But like, we're still so affectionate. You know what I mean? Like every day, and we both work from home, post-pandemic life. But like, we're always like, pinching and kissing and like hugging and it's just the best feeling yeah. in the world we're and the same yeah and so you go from this right and you you have your night with taylor and how do you go home and tell well, like would you do you go home and tell your family straight away like do you know that this is do you wake up in the morning and go what the fuck have i done maybe this is a mistake you are turning your entire life upside down yep and how do you unscramble that so here's the thing i was like it was so wild because it was, it came out of left field. And I don't know if it was like the dopamine and the love hormones, but I was so, I was, I've never been that obsessed with somebody. Like being away from her, even when I would like go to work and go to the studio and do the show, being away from her for like two seconds, like it made me physically ill, like sick to my stomach. I couldn't wait to get home and to like jump into bed with her and to like be with her snuggling all day long. So I guess in my mind, I was saying, you know what? You don't have to commit to anything. This is kind of like a new relationship. And if I was like divorced and hooking up with random dudes all the time on Tinder, nobody would have to know that, right? So I kind of told myself the story of like, you're just hooking up. You're hooking up with somebody. Nobody needs to know. It's like your private thing. It's between the two of you. And actually in hindsight, when I look back, like I kind of did pull her back in the closet a little bit with me because I was like, I'm not ready to come out, you know, like by no means. So it was kind of secretive. Like I wasn't telling friends. I told my co-host at work because like we worked so close together. Like I knew he could tell something was up and I did not tell my family, my very conservative family from Boston. 
So, but I was just kind of like, I'm going to go through the motions. And if I am enjoying myself, I'll stay. And if I'm not, I won't. I'm not going to say anything until like I make my decision about this because it was like very scary and new and like, oh my God, like, again, I'm divorced. Like, I didn't think I'd be divorced and then be like, I'm a lesbian now. Like, holy, like shit. And that's what I'm saying. These feelings, by the way, are so, so normal because I had exactly the same worries and I know it's not the same, but with a 24 year old. No, it is though, because society raises, like you say, an eyebrow. And I know we're like, fuck society, but like when you're in it, especially after divorce, because it's like, you want to show the world that like, you're going to survive this divorce, right? And then when you do something that's way off script, you're worried like- They think you're having a breakdown. A nervous breakdown. breakdown. Yes. Literally, they think that you're crazy. She's gone crazy. And so I went home to visit my parents. I was spending a lot of time with Taylor. My Oh, did I say that? My wife's name's also Taylor. Taylor and Taylor. And so my mom was like, you're spending a lot of time with that Taylor friend of yours. And I was like, yeah. And she said, my mom, she said to me, are you in love with her? Just outright. And my mom knew that she was gay. So because we were friends before, my mom had met her. And I thought, I'm like in my early 30s. And I'm like, am I going to post-divorce lie to my mommy? Like, grow a pair. So I was like, yeah, I'm in love with her. And it was like World War III. I mean, I felt like I was back in high school. She was going to ground me. We were in the car. We were fighting with each other. It was like the worst. And, you know, that was like, so I didn't even really, it wasn't like I came out to my parents. Like I kind of like got outed by my mom. My siblings are younger than me too. I have a brother and a sister. And they were great right off the bat. But my mom and dad were kind of having a hard time. But I definitely remember thinking like, they were so upset, not because I I was gay, just because they didn't see it coming. And my mom did think that like, Taylor, my now wife, was like seducing me. She was like, you're being taken advantage of because like you're not gay and you're just confused because you're going through a divorce and you feel lost in the world. And I'm like, I have never been more sure of anything in my entire life. But like when you are going through a divorce or you're newly divorced, people don't trust that you know what you're doing. But the thing is to even get a divorce is an act of self-love and it's an act of self-confidence. I think that that's a very, very, very important point as well. I think people, because you have held it for so long. And in our heads, we've been through every scenario. We've made our decisions. We've out the door. Nobody gets divorced and leaves on the day they've decided. Uh-uh. Woke up. Nobody wakes up and goes, today I'm getting a divorce. <laughs> I have never thought about it before. And today's the day. And that's, I think, really important because obviously the friends only find out on that day. Right. Right. So they think, no, no, you know, go back. And actually, we've had quite a few years to think about it. We've thought out, you know, no woman just makes it as a really rash decision and no one not having a mental breakdown. Right. And the thing is, when you choose to live outside of the box and what's norm, then they want to put you back in that box because it's more comfortable for you. And obviously, you know, again, mine was exactly the same. My parents were were horrified. Yeah. My friends thought I lost my mind and yep. that I was just dick obsessed and that I just (laughs) wanted sex and that's all this was about and that he obviously would be gone in you know a few months anyway and I'm going to look like an idiot because I've made all this statement and I'm going to be with Sergio and he won't be there and it's just not true and when you know it's right genuinely like you can tell I would have told whether he was one of those like 24 year old players right that was like and and it, he wouldn't have had to lie to me right. I'd have taken it right. I'd have gone okay let's have fun and then right. you know that's it so it, you you know when when it's real and when it's not you know when a guy wants to hook up with you for a minute and obviously you know by the time you've come out to your mother or spent time 
with with somebody and got divorced and you've now been with Taylor for a while, you've made that decision. You know it's right inside you and you feel absolutely at peace. And it's everyone else around you that's falling apart. Yes, it's wild. And that's the thing too is because I'm very susceptible to other people's opinions and I'm a people pleaser. Me too. So I remember like, in the past, my parents not liking somebody I was with or having a judgment like that would have weighed so heavily on me and my mind and my decision making. And for the first time in my fucking life, as a 30-something-year-old woman, I'm like, you know what? I know exactly what I'm doing. This is making me happy. I've never, I now realize I've never been in love. I now realize I've never been happier. And I don't need you to give me your approval to know that this is the right decision. And that was the most empowering thing to feel. I don't need my parents, my friends, anybody to tell me that this is right because I know that's right. I never had that before. And that's what I think is so important in a relationship is why are we always looking so fucking far forward? Right. Like, honestly, we could be hit by a bus tomorrow. No yeah. offense. But yeah. like, you know, it, and that's the truth. And if you're happy now and you're living your best life now, that's all we can hope for. Exactly. Like literally all you can hope for. That's the best feeling in the world. There is nothing worse than being trapped somewhere you don't fucking belong. Exactly. And the thing, too, is I checked all the boxes. I followed the plan that I was supposed to follow when I got married to husband. He was the good on paper guy. I called him Mr. Perfect when we first met. He was successful. He was really nice to me. He was like a fun, easy to be around guy. Like it all looks so good. We, we, we traveled the world. He, you know, spoiled me with dinners, vacations, clothes, the whole shebang. But I just was like not living. Well, and lucky for you, also, you didn't have the decision or the, you know, like I have yeah. of children. And being able to leave, you can leave cleanly. Yeah, it made it a lot easier. Are you friends now? No, but he did just get remarried, which I am am thrilled for him because the idea of him never getting to do that and have a family would have broken my heart. So the fact that like seven years later, he's married now, I am thrilled. Because also for a man to know that your wife's left you for a woman. Oh, I know, right? The ego. I wonder if it's like, if it makes it easier or if it makes it harder. I feel like knowing him, I think it might've probably made it harder. I mean, I think it probably makes it harder because it's like, I wonder if you feel like you've lived a lie. I think that's probably how he felt. I actually found out from an ex-boyfriend from college because I was like close with a family of his that he was straight out devastated when it came out that I was digging a woman or with a woman. Um, And him and I had been done for like a decade. But I guess to him, it felt like I must have just been keeping this lie. But like, that's the thing. I mean, if I was lying to anybody the most, I was lying to myself, you know? And like you said too, maybe I am a lesbian. Maybe I always have been. But like, maybe also I'm just in the moment right now. Maybe she's just the woman, like, you know, she's the person. It's not even about woman or man. And I guess pansexual would be the proper terminology to, you know, explain my sexuality. But like, like if her and I didn't work out, and I didn't want to say it, poop, 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 because like, you know, I want to be with her forever. But like, if we didn't work out, I would not necessarily be like going to the cubby hole, a lesbian bar in New York City and like looking for another woman. I would be looking for another partner, but not necessarily a woman. So, but I can understand people who were significant in my life. If they, if they feel like it's a lie or our relationship was a lie, I understand that. But like, it's just not the case, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it's hard for anyone. Like, I mean, again, with even my ex-husband, it's it's hard for him to know, you know, I, I've done what most men do. 
yeah. run off with someone younger. Yeah. And it's very rare to do it this way round. So it's always like a punch, I think, to have anything. And you kind of always wish that the other person was miserable when they leave anyway. Of course you do. You want them to be miserable <laughs> for quite a while and not watch them living their best life. So I get right. that, you know, and and I think, you know, after you get through this sort of telling your parents and everything else and you've lived a big life well six years with one man is you know it's a big life yeah you've got, you've got a proper life a family member of husbands who I actually loved and adored there was very few family members I liked in that family but this happened to be one of them adored her and she took me out to lunch it was after the divorce and she said is there any chance you can get back together and I said no absolutely not like it's done and she said you know it's just a, it's just such a shame that you're too sensitive because if you weren't, you could really enjoy this great guy that you had and like live a great life. And it hurt me so much when she said it. But then like immediately, I was so happy. I had this like presence of mind to go, oh, me making this change is not, it, it's a threat to her life and the decisions that she's made. Me like going against the grain probably made a lot of people like, you know, question, did they make the right choices in life? That is the nail on the head. Everyone that... If my marriage to Sergio and your marriage to Taylor works and we are genuinely happy and we have our person, we have now like done everything we've been told we're not supposed to do. Right. While they all sit there and stick it out. Yep. And breathe through it. Yep. To keep their, you know, boring, mundane lives together. Yeah. And not really live because that's what you do. We've now just blown the lid off that. Yeah. And it's scary because it makes them question things. I mean, quite frankly, we're brave, you know, to go against what is expected of you and to make decisions for yourself. Like I said before, it's like the ultimate act of self-love. And it's something that we talk about. But like, I think it's easy for like self-love, especially when it's women, right? Maybe we look like selfish or crazy. But like, no, what we're doing is we are loving ourselves and we are choosing a path that we know we don't need anybody to validate our decisions. We're validating them for ourselves. By doing that as well, you know, you will never be happy in a marriage when you're looking for your husband to bring you happiness. He cannot. He no. is not a fucking magician. Yes. So you need to go go out, find your happiness, whatever that looks like. And, you know, that's why I've said sometimes affairs are liberating because you understand who you are or you get a little bit of your self-confidence back. Yeah. And then once you've got that back and you've got the zest for life back, you can make a proper decision because so many people are in a hole where they just can't see straight. I know. They don't know who they are anymore because you can't possibly be the same person you were in your 20s. And, you know, I think what we have done is we've chosen a path that isn't, you know, the well-trodden one. But as I said, you know, I think we're, we are showing everybody that we're not ashamed. We're not embarrassed. We're not going, we're here to stay. Thank you for everything today. Of course. But I just want to ask you if, for advice for girls, maybe in the same position as you who didn't really, I mean, it's a hard thing to come out and again, come out because you didn't know you were coming out. Literally. So, like exactly. Or you wanted to. So it's not like you lived in this pain for all these years right. other than just think you didn't fancy your husband much. Right. So what advice would you give to women, maybe in your position or, or to trying something new or just, you know, seeing like putting yourself out there and going, you know, don't close any box. Look yeah. for anything because there are so many single women in this city. I'm I'm shocked. Intelligent, beautiful women oh, finding it hard. Yeah. And, you know, just opening your mind to it. How, how do you do that? I guess I would just say, like you said, keep your mind open. Just, you know, don't close yourself off. I was so closed off. My therapist was like, you've been gay your whole life. He's convinced. And he was like, but you were so brought up so Catholic. Your brain couldn't even 
go there. Like I was upset that I wasn't a virgin when I got married, you know, and I was far from it. But I was like, so I think I was so closed off. So if I could say anything to anybody, don't close yourself off at all whatsoever. And then also, if you are feeling an inclination towards somebody that's the same sex, I would say you can experiment all you want. Like, let yourself be free to experimentation with, like, no labels. You can you can hook up with a girl and then decide that that's the only girl you're going to ever hook up with for the rest of your life. Like, I think that we're very quick to want to throw people in boxes. So don't do that to yourself. The world will do it to you, but don't do it to yourself. And you also deserve privacy when it comes to hookups, I think, too. That's something that I never experienced until I was with Taylor. And then most importantly, if you do find yourself in a situation like mine, same sex, and you're worried about coming out, I just have to say, don't set the expectations too high for friends and family because they will disappoint you. And I think in the world, we think you're going to come out and your families are going to like disown you or they're going to be like, we knew all along. And the truth is, it's actually usually in the middle where your family is kind of shocked, but like they also love you and they're supportive. So just give your family and friends time and grace to show them that like you're not going to change drastically. And if you are going to change drastically, that's fine too. But I just feel like I had my wife coaching me through that whole thing with my family and it allowed me to not get super mad at them. I think they're scared of what it looks like for them. And that's the other thing too. And it made me really mad at them. And I was like, I can't believe how selfish you're being and putting yourself first. But like Tay said to me, just keep showing up, being you, like loving them. And, you know, eventually they'll come around. So this idea of eventually they'll come around, I think is important for people to know when it comes to coming out, because I think we expect people to be there just with the snap of a finger overnight. And it's it's a little bit more nuanced than that. And then my last question, because, you know, there were things like the financial side of it, being yeah. able to take care of yourself. You were 11 years, a very successful radio host. Can I tell you the truth? Yeah. I was a successful radio host, but I was not making a lot of money. Sirius did not pay very well. You know how entertainment is. Yeah. You're either, it's like feast or famine, you know? And I, my salary was not, I can say this, in New York City, not livable from the standard of living that I got accustomed to. Wow. I was shitting bricks. So- what made you, that's my, my question. So to go on, what made you go become a podcaster for the, the money's so much better? So truth be told, I got fired from Sirius. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there you go then. So I got fired, but it was the greatest gift they ever gave me because I had hit such a ceiling financially at Sirius. Like I remember one of my bosses gave me like a $7,000 raise. That's bullshit. That's yeah. embarrassing for my soul. Yeah. $7,000. And then Sirius wanted them to take it back. Take it back? $7,000. They shit 7,000. So anyway, the truth is they did me a favor because the second I left and started doing podcasting and I knew podcasting was more lucrative. I could just tell because I had friends that were in the podcast space when I was at Sirius. And also when you're on in radio, it's four hours, Monday through Friday, like you're chained to the studio and that's not really great for growth. So they did me a favor and now I have my like daily, it's like a daily radio show on Patreon. And Sirius's model was, basically Patreon, but just like on a greater scale. And then they would salary us. So now rather than like the audience paying serious to then pay me crap, the audience now just pays me directly. And it's like, I mean, my salary has, it's like quadrupled. So if anyone's out there that wants to do something like this, because it is, you know, I'm the same. You, you don't need a lot of experience. You don't need any experience. No. You just need to start talking and to find your rhythm and to find your niche and what other people are looking for. And it really is a great way to take care of yourself and, yeah. and to, to take your power back because not only are you helping other people, but you're also making a living in the end. So. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, and that's the thing too in life, like failure is never failure. It's a it's an opportunity for growth. And usually you come out on the other end so much Always. stronger. Every single thing I failed at 
has always opened a bigger door. Yep. At the time I was crushed and then I've always risen higher. Thank you so much for joining me today. I've really, really enjoyed it. Thank it's you so much for having me. Fascinating. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like honored beyond. So I appreciate being here. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Divorce Not Dead. Tune in next Wednesday for a new episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear from you. Follow me on social media at, at Caroline Stanbury for all the behind-the-scene action. 